Welcome to the HR Chat Podcast, bringing the best of the HR and talent communities to you. Welcome to another episode of the HR Chat Show. I'm your host today, Bill Bannum. And in this HR Chat episode, we're going to hear from Bruce Bolger, co-founder at International Centre for Enterprise Engagement, about how human capital standards and reporting and corporate social responsibility are changing. In fact, 140 World Economic Forum members have recently embraced a very specific human capital disclosures for their annual reports that align with the principles of human capital reporting and quality people management standards related to addressing the needs of all stakeholders. The recommendations to be released very soon include very specific disclosures on quality and diversity of the governing body, stakeholder engagement efforts and impact, uh, dignity and equity for employees and contractors, health and safety, innovation in better products and services, training and skills development, wealth creation and employee growth and turnover, and finally community and social vitality investments and volunteer time. We'll be right back after this message from Espresso. It's time to transform your workplace for good. Espresso.com is the first culture benefits platform designed to help create total community, well-being, and recognition with an experience that HR and people love. Join companies like Pinterest, Tesla, Box, and ServiceNow who are already using Espresso to make their cultures happier and healthier. Espresso.com is total well-being and culture benefits reimagined. Are you looking for more ways that HR can positively impact business outcomes? Visit Espresso.com. That's E-S-P-R-E-S-A.com. We're culture benefits that make heroes out of HR. Bruce, it's my pleasure to welcome you to the show today. Thanks very much for the opportunity, Bill. So firstly, why do you believe that within a few years, most organizational sites will include a corporate responsibility or sustainability report as part of their annual processes? Well, the pressures, Bill, are coming from two uh, sides. One of them is coming from investors. Uh, Investors uh, increasingly recognize that uh, sustainability is critical to organizational success and that short-termism has really hurt many organizations. So investors, over $17.5 trillion of an investment capital have been identified as being focused on uh, organizations with a strategic and systematic approach to managing people. Uh, You have the Just Capital uh, ETF Exchange Traded Fund, which is uh, invested in companies like this that is outperforming uh, the S&P 500. Uh, You have Larry Fink of BlackRock, who's basically saying they are only investing in companies with a human capital uh, sustainability strategy. Uh, You have State Street Capital uh, and many other, Calvert and many other groups that are now focusing on it. So investors are a big force. Consumers are a big force. In a recent survey of 4,000 Americans, and I'm sure it would be very similar in the UK and Canada, uh, 70% of U.S. consumers say that they would rather do business with or work for an organization uh, that focuses on the needs of people. Uh, so you have that coming from investors and you have it coming from people. And then you finally have it come from financial realities, organizations that have a strategic and systematic approach to engaging all stakeholders outperform their competitors. 
So if a CEO uh, wants to report to his or her board that he is effectively or she is effectively managing the organization, she had better have a human capital standard. So what's to wrap up, more and more companies are already publishing corporate responsibility reports or corporate sustainability reports. And now that 140 uh, of the world's leading companies uh, that are part of the World Economic Forum that produces the you know prestigious Davos event, now that they've all agreed that they are going to publish very specific disclosures on human capital, that also will put pressure on other companies of all types to publish these types of uh, annual reports. Okay, thank you. What, what else is behind this pressure? Uh, what, what, what else is behind the, the, the causes in, in terms of whether it's public or private sectors to publish corporate responsibility reports for their customers, employees, communities, and, and boards? Uh, how, how long has this trend been happening? And, and, and why is it only now in 2020 that finally things are going to be getting done? Well, major corporations have actually resisted this heavily uh, over the years. Uh, when uh, the Society of Human Resources Management in the United States started developing standards in uh, about eight or nine years ago, uh, there was some real resistance from the public companies that belong. Uh, in addition, uh, the Securities and Exchange Commission uh, in the U.S. is now uh, proposing uh, human capital disclosure requirements, and the only opposition came from three publicly held companies that ironically belong to the same business roundtable organization that has endorsed this notion of stakeholder capitalism and the need for CEOs to address the needs of all stakeholders. So I would say the biggest resistance is really coming from companies themselves that don't want to disclose. You know, there's a general dislike of disclosures. Even the HR field isn't too excited yet about these disclosures because for HR people, compliance is the most unpleasant part of their job. So when they, a misunderstanding about these disclosures is leading to resistance, but that resistance is collapsing in the face of such big pressure from investors, from economics, from consumers, from talent. Uh, as we all know, there's a battle for talent and talented people look at the websites of companies and they go, do I wanna work for that company? They check their ratings on the various job uh, rating sites that we know of, right? Uh, and so companies to attract talent, to attract customers, or to locate themselves in a community. If I want to move to Norfolk uh, in Great Britain and I want to bring in a big warehouse there, does the community want me to be there? Will they value my company? Uh, I don't think Norfolk would get excited if Jewel Cigarettes right now or Jewel Vape. Uh, products wanted to uh, relocate there. So it, companies are going to be forced to do it by their communities, their investors, uh, and by their employers, their employees, and their customers. Uh, as a lad who's from Norfolk and Great Britain, I don't think people around here get very excited about much at all, Bruce, but uh, that's, a, <laughs> that's a different conversation for another time. Um, okay, so, so what should go into the human capital disclosures? Well, the it's interesting the world economic uh, uh forum came up with very precise very precise information that is too detailed uh to uh explain here in a short uh podcast 
but we refer to that uh, in an article that we published on this and that is available at the World Economic Foundation website. Uh, and uh, the essentially, it will require companies to explain what their governing purpose is. Essentially, what is their culture? What are their brand values and purpose? And what are they? What is their brand promise? Uh, they're going to have to disclose who's on their board. Do they have women on their board? Do they have diversity on their board? What type of experiences does their board have? They have to discuss all the different ways that they're engaging their stakeholders. How are they engaging their stakeholders? How are they involving their stakeholders in the, their decisions? How are they sharing information with their stakeholders? That's not just their employees. That's their customers, their communities. Uh, so that's rather significant. Uh, they're going to be asked to disclose very specific information on wages, equality, and labor conditions. They're going to have to disclose how many deaths uh, occur, if any, uh, how many injuries, absenteeism rates. That's extraordinary. Uh, how are they investing in better products and services? How are they investing in training? Very specific information on the nature and, um, and types of an investment in skills developed. Uh, wealth creation employees, how many jobs have they created, uh, the turnover rate, how many people are turning over. That's an extraordinary thing for companies to disclose. And this includes, by the way, contract employees as well. And then community and social vitality. What are they investing in money and in employee volunteer time? Uh, so that's none of this has ever been disclosed uh, in any kind of required way before, ever. Uh, and now Europe, as uh, I've explained uh, in another interview with you, and the Great Britain and Great Britain as well, have their own requirements for human capital disclosures. And these actually go even further than the disclosure requirements from both of the government, from the EU governments and from Great Britain. So it's very significant. And I think in the coming months, when the human resources field worldwide wakes up to this, they're going to realize that this is an enormous and unprecedented opportunity for HR to demonstrate the value of human capital because the ultimate goal of the World Economic Forum standards, uh, I should say disclosure requirements, is to push and force all organizations to use the same basic disclosure uh, framework. That's their goal. And who's going to do that? Uh, HR. And when you really study these disclosures, this is the dream job for HR because this is not a compliance job. It's really a job. It's an investigation job. It's a leadership job. And it gives HR the opportunity to be uh, part of an effort to demonstrate the value of human capital uh, for an organization's bottom line and for their balance sheet. Uh, so to have human capital on the balance sheet to me is the biggest opportunity for HR in a generation. Okay. So you paint a very uh, optimistic picture there, Bruce, but um, uh, it'd be remiss of me not to ask you about some of the potential risks or negatives as well. The, I mean, what, what does this level of transparency mean for the perception of a specific employer brand and for attracting and retaining top talent? And, uh, you've already spoken about some of those opportunities, but, but what, are the, what are the potential risks about this level of transparency too? I think the only people, that's a great question, the only people that should fear this are the 85% of companies today that don't have a strategic and systematic approach to engaging all stakeholders. 
uh, and to addressing their needs and to equipping them. So the, the only opposition in the U.S. to the SEC requirements for human capital disclosures came from three publicly held companies who said their reasons were generally, A, uh, human capital cannot be measured, and that's outright preposterous. There are many clear measures that these 140 companies were easily uh, able to identify because they're basically drawing from disclosures that companies are already made, making, I should say. So when you really analyze it, the, the risks are disclosing information that you don't want your competitors to know. Uh, so in other words, if you have a high turnover rate, you as a company aren't going to be too happy disclosing that. If you've had a bunch of accident rates and you've had high, you had 10 deaths on your workplaces this year, you're not going to be happy disclosing that. So I think this, the, the first risk is to the 85% of companies that are going to, are not going to have very good looking human capital disclosure reports because they haven't yet implemented any strategic and systematic approach. And then the risk to the 15% who are doing it is, how do I do this in such a way that doesn't disclose co important competitive information that I don't want other people to know about? And some of that could be good news. Some of that could be that I have a super high retention rate, and maybe I don't want my competition to know that. So I think the risks uh, are more along those lines. Uh, the final risk that some people might raise would be, well, how comparable is this data? Are companies going to fake it? Are they going to fudge it? And the answer is yes, they will. We know this from other ISO standards. Probably 20% of companies that follow ISO standards are just doing it to check off the boxes because they have a big customer who requires them to be ISO certified. So the risk with these disclosures is that people will fudge them, cheat, and fake. And this is where ISO standards and other standards and auditing practices can come into bear. Uh, if company uh, gets an ISO 30414 uh, human capital reporting certification for their corporate responsibility report, that is a third party auditing their methodology and asserting and uh, validating that they have followed uh, acceptable practices. So yes, this is not perfection. This is not the end of uh, workplace inequality. Disclosures do not require a company to do something. This is not requiring a company to treat their employees well. They can still treat them terribly. It simply re requires them to make a statement about how they do. So uh, the risks are, uh, you know, essentially um, to, to the people who don't follow them, to the people who cheat, and to even the people who do follow them and want to do well who have to consider uh, the competitive ramifications. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, and just finally for today, how can our listeners learn more and connect with you? Well, thank you very much. One can find news about all of the uh, elements of enterprise engagement at our site, ESM at enterpriseengagement.org. That's enterpriseengagement.org. And one can learn about our uh, ISO certifications at uh, the IC.org. That's the international, in, uh, that's for the International Center for Enterprise Engagement, which is the ICWE.org. And this is at this point, I usually just uh, wrap up by thanking our guests. But before I do that, just a uh, just a little side note. I reached out to Bruce, I don't know, about a couple of weeks ago now. And uh, he's just an absolute gentleman. Not only does he have an amazing voice for a podcast, by the way, 
Um, <laughs> Thank you. Um, he, he, he's just been an absolute gentleman. He's been giving me tips and suggestions about how to, how to get the word out there and, and highlighting important issues that we should be speaking to you, our listeners, about. And uh, Bruce, it's just been an absolute pleasure. And uh, I really well, appreciate you. your time with me today. Well, thank you very much, Bill. And uh, listeners, as always, until next time, happy working. Thank you for listening to the HR Chat Podcast, brought to you by the HR Gazette.